0: What's up, everybody? Chef Marcus Samuelsson here with Jason Diakete, and we are This Moment. Today, we have a very special guest, Franz Johansson. Franz Johansson is really a genius. Diversity is something that he has devoted his whole life to. Very often, the conversation around race and diversity is a little muted in Sweden.
1: It is that Swedes believe that they're more advanced in understanding of this than they actually are.
0: There it is. Shut it down.
2: There it is.
0: <laughs> Thank you for laying it on us, friends. You need strong voices and that are super bright. They can actually unpack the why and the how. He links the must of diversity, the complexity of diversity. But he also has a great window into the, to America and the world because he's traveled. He does this for major companies. He does this for governments. The world is really his work field. And then started his own company with his wife, Sweet Joy, right here in New York. Medici Effect, the book, is a classic at this point that every company and every person that wants to understand the impact of diversity should really read. So today, on this moment, the one and only Mr. Franz Johansson.
2: This moment. This moment. You know, as I've been telling Marcus many times, like a measure of success as a rapper in Sweden is that when you perform in Gothenburg, do they, is your hotel in Gothenburg or is it outside (laughs) of Gothenburg? So for many, many years, when, like if we knew that we were not being kind of like respected <laughs> oh. by the venue, that's when they put us at a hotel in Lerum, you know, we were like, oh, wait a minute, we're na- we're- te- technically we're not in Gothenburg, but we're supposed to be performing there. Oh. Take us back, Franz. How was it? You know, you came up in Lerum, put me there. I've only been there and be- been disappointed because I didn't get a hotel in town, you know. <laughs> How was it growing up there?
1: I always make this joke when I give when I start my speeches. Which I, I have this pie chart, and it and it says that the, the 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 label of it is Sweden's demographics at the time when I grew up. Mm. And you have this whole chart basically that's blue, and it goes. <laughs> these are the blonde, blue, and quite reserved. That's this, sp- and then there's <laughs> a tiny, tiny, tiny sliver, and it goes me. So. <laughs> <laughs> when I grew up in Liyarim, that was how it felt like, with the exception of my sister and my mom, there were essentially uh, no other people of color. There were, there were uh, maybe one or two kids that were adopted from, uh, from Korea, but, you know, it was, that, that, was, that was about it. Uh, it was very, um, it was obvious uh, that, uh, that that was the case. So I think that informed me. But there are wonderful things about Leo. I mm. mean, you yeah, got nature all over the place. Um, my dad had, uh, fishing was in his blood. So it enabled me to go fishing. We went out to the, to the ocean. Gotham was right by, the, right by the ocean. We oh. went out fishing. Oh. I went into streams, rivers, lakes. Nature was a big part of how I grew up. And Leo was a perfect place for that. But so in ways... In some ways, it, it got me connected to that. Mm. Mm. But it also made me extremely aware of that I was different. But,
2: but you, you grew up with a, a, a white Swedish dad and an African-American mom in, uh, in a small town outside of Gothenburg. What was your... I mean, I'm the son of, uh, of, of immigrants. You know, a lot of my... You know, I was in Swedish society when I was in school and when I was outside of my parents' homes. But when I came when I came home, I was in an immigrant home. So I got to see Sweden through their lens. How was your how did your mom feel about like Sweden and her life in
1: Sweden? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Like why are Swedes doing it this way or that way or this way over time, obviously, you know. Things fell into place for her. You know, she started uh, loving herring. Uh, it took a while. But, you know, these, are, these are some of those things that, uh, that that fell into place. But I will say this: one, she was vigilant about looking for signs of racism. <coughs> um, I had I had an I had an I had an event that happened uh, in uh, when I was in um, when I was in elementary school. Where um, basically, uh, I didn't. A teacher didn't want to give me a particular type of book because I wasn't. I didn't feel like I was intellectually ready for it. Okay. And okay. my mother went to town.
0: Wow. She's like, I know what this wow. is.
1: Are you telling me that Francis no. is not ready for this book? Are you? Are you? Are you shitting me? Like, and and she made sure that 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 happened. Um. She, I don't know if she was ever, she never felt like she became a Swede, but she did feel hmm. that she became, that she understood what it meant to live in Sweden and be part of that society and be part of a family. Like
0: yeah. I mean, Franz. when I hear that, right, first of all, Jason, you know that, but we got to explain it for our listeners. So Lerum, if you take the the bullet train from Stockholm, you know, Lerum is something that you just, Swish by, right? <laughs> yeah, and yeah. it's about 25 minutes outside Gotham. 30 seconds. And the, yeah. and the other thing that you just swing by, which is the neighboring little suburb, is my home suburb, which is Patule. Oh, yeah. Papi so we all know about that. You know, that's, that's, <laughs> so, we're, so we're right next to each yeah, other. Yeah. And so here we you. have these t- mm. two black Swedes, mm. but also France and I, growing up at the same time, but France and I could not also have two different experiences. Mm. France is tall, light-skinned, I'm short and dark-skinned. <laughs> but also, we, I am that adopted kid that France was just talking mm. about. So mm. both mm. with you, Jason, and with France, blackness does not mean, of course, that we have one experience about being black. Mm. That is the nuance. No,
2: I, I, I mean, uh, one thing, and I think you'll, your work definitely attests to that, France, is that one unique thing about hip hop culture in Sweden is that the the group of Swedes, you know, and and most Swedes know that that you're either a Swedish or you're invandrare. And if you're invandrare, which means immigrant, but it also means non-European and it often means uh, non-white, you know, you could be from Turkey, Cote d'Ivoire, Ethiopia, South Korea, Iran. So and since hip hop became the language of the of the youth that had been othered, that meant that there's this unique mix going on. Like Swedish hip hop slang is a mixture of Arabic words, Turkish words, you know, Somali words. It's really this mix. You don't have the the segmentation that you have in the United States where you really have enough people from each separate culture and country to make up their own neighborhoods. In Sweden, everybody was just put into one kind of big pot and stirred around, you know. Well, I wouldn't say I love it about Sweden, but it I gives Swedish, at least Swedish, you know, non-European culture, this kind of unique blend of all these different cultures. I think
1: that's right. I mean, for sh- but it's also something, even within that, though, you can still see. Mm. I mean, like, Absolutely. I mean, Marcus, you were talking about the actual sort of... Um, darkness of your skin i mean i still think that Mm. applies as a as a as a Mm. proxy yes you can be you can be an immigrant and that has all kinds of things associated with it but just like in most countries there's still some swedes will like to kind of rank that as well maybe it's implicit Uh but 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 Mm. but but i but i do think that 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 skin color is uh, sort of connected to that as well
2: this moment this moment But you two must have had the similar experience because my name is Jason Diakite and and it was, I would always stop people before they got to my last name just to spare myself and them, the whole going through them trying to pronounce it. But if you, and I have friends that have, you know, Swedish sounding names, just like the both of you, Marcus Sommerson, Franz Johansson. How many times, France, have you had the experience where you call up, you're speaking perfect Swedish, uh, good at speaking and communicating and then when you show up, there's the shock that like, okay, we didn't realize we were talking to a foreigner. Like, what okay, happened? I, <laughs> I, I
1: published my book, okay, the meditation mm-hmm. my first book. <clears throat> <clears throat> I had been invited to give a speech at uh, actually at one of the factories uh, that Nobel, after Nobel created. So outside, <clears throat> and I was coming in there in a cab, and it was a lot of VIPs, and. Uh, there's a, you know, there's a, uh, there's a guard or, um, uh, what do you call it? A, um, uh, like a doorman, uh-huh. security guard. And I'm saying, well, I'm, I have to get in. And he goes, no, there's, there's no way. Well, uh, I'm, I'm the keynote speaker. No, no. <laughs> my name's Rousey Son So no, at this point, he hadn't asked me what my name was.
2: <laughs> no, he just knew you weren't the one. <laughs> he knew you weren't the one, man. This is so not to dude. As for that guy,
0: the guy Mm. I don't have forgiveness for is the teacher in school, right? Because first of all, you know, Franz and his sister, Sandra, they're the most educated, intellectual, Mm. smart, brightest. Like you cannot reach higher education and intelligentsia than Franz. Mm. I'm telling you, Franz Mm. went to Brown undergrad and then to Harvard, right? Like as a Swedish kid to do this… Do you understand how fucking bright you have to be to, do, to
2: navigate through this? 100%. And, right? Yeah.
0: And then he wrote, for, you were, I mean,
1: you tell your story about the Harvard Review and all of that. What I figured out in Sweden was that if you were able to bring together elements from different cultures, then uh-huh. you'd be more powerful. This is one of these things that hit me. You had to find some sort of way of combining it. And then I went to college. And I studied environmental science and I realized that the same kind of principle held true across disciplines and industries and functions, right? As we bring together biology and geology and physics and economics. <clears throat> and so I started thinking about whether or not these sort of processes were similar. And then I had a few other things going on. I, I, I started a company, a healthcare company that was based on my aunt's research. She I had this crazy uh, life because not only did my mom grow up in Sweden, she had a sister who also mm. married a Swedish guy. And wow. they, they lived in, they lived in who? Voss. Oh, wow. Okay. Double- oh, okay. 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 I you. Imagine, right? I mean, those yeah. sisters, and they both had white. They had a
2: lot to talk about and, and they lot to support about. each other going through that. Yeah.
1: Uh, but, but she was the first black female tenure professor at Johns Hopkins. And we started our first company based after after I went to business school at Harvard and I started another company, it was a software company at this point together with my cousin. So all throughout this time, I became really, it became obvious to me that if you were able to really tap into diversity, Mm. then you were, you had a better shot at being creative and innovative. Like this Mm. scene, at this point, crystal. And nobody had actually really taken this on to study it specifically. Oh. So one morning, I mean, I literally, it came to me like a flash in the morning. I woke up and I had this idea of this book called The Medici Effect. And what that book really explored is the idea that diversity drives innovation. Mm-hmm. And when you're able to bring together, when you step into an intersection, different cultures and industries and fields, you have a better shot of breaking the ground.
0: I think innovation, diversity, and thinking different is in your core and maybe comes from your mom and dad, or maybe it's a combination of, you know, just, you know, to graduate Harvard BA, a very normal path would have been like to be a consultant for McKinsey or something like that. But you just said, and even when you were in school, you started two companies, but you said, no, I'm going out on my own. And being on top of your class and all of those different things. I know you had offers, but you just, so right there for me, there are so many left turns that you've taken that are super American to me, the core of being American. But then also, I know there's a lot of decisions you make that are actually part of being Swedish, your love for nature, fishing. So how, how does these ideas Come to
1: you, and why didn't you take that job at Mckinsey for example like so so there's there's a couple of guiding lights uh, my uh my dad gave me one piece of advice uh which which seems simple, but it's hard to actually pursue. It's like look in the choice between um doing what you love and and money uh go for do what you love okay now mm. uh, and to give you a sense of what what the inspiration of that was. My dad loved to do two things, to write and to go fishing. And so he created a fishing magazine called Fisca Kunola. Oh, I took a job between the first and second year of my MBA program at Harvard. And that job was with a consulting firm. It was in London. And I had one rule, which was that whatever money I made during that summer, I had to spend. Hmm. I had to spend it. And, and the reason why was because I wanted to see <laughs> if the money ever make up for it. I mm. love it. I love it. <laughs> it was a test. It
2: was yeah, a test. It was a genuine yeah, yeah. test. The money and how did it go? Uh, you must have had a great summer, but, you know.
1: I I did have a great <laughs> summer, but I also came to a great answer. I knew that for Ooh, me, wow. anyway, it couldn't. Wow. So, okay. And then, uh, then you know, once I went back to... Uh, to um, uh, to finish my, my, uh, my MBA, I actually left, I started a software company and I left that for a couple of years and then I came back from a final semester. But at that point, I knew that this idea that I had that morning around diversity and innovation, like hmm. I, I went to sleep thinking about it. I woke up thinking about it. I was, um, I was basically, I, I, that week I, <clears throat> I started dating the, the, the woman that ended up being my wife. Miss me, uh, George. Was, you can't just say that. You got to give her a shout out. She would know. kill you if <laughs> you do
2: know. like that.
1: Uh, uh, and, and we, I just spent hours talking about this idea. Was, I, I don't know if it was the best approach to dating, <laughs> but I, I couldn't stop it. I'm like, this is what's going on. Fortunately, she was along the same lines. So, so, Marcus, I did it because I had to. Why? Because I had to. When it comes to the, the Swedish pieces, they've always been, been, um, been, been part of me. But I think, ultimately, um, it's the way that I find balance. So, you know, the, the, this idea of nature, of fishing, of mm-hmm. and, and, and also this, 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 this notion of roots, mm-hmm. right? So much of, of who I am that is American. But the place we grew up in matters in a different yeah. way. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's... Mm-hmm. There's 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 memories, smells, sounds. So every time I come back to Sweden, uh, it's a way to sort of
2: replenish those roots. Hearing you talk about imagining, you know, uh, what growing up in Lerum meant, and and as you were talking about earlier, the closeness to nature and so forth. You have two daughters. They're growing up in New York City, which is like really as far as cities compare, is the to- it's like the diametrical. Uh, uh, opposite of Lerum right your where you grew up and where they're growing up is so totally different and and even as as far as like the diversity that's around them and so forth how do you see that impacting them we
1: we think it's important to go back to Sweden we try to do that once or twice a year Mm. uh, so they can get those pieces in. we also go to my um uh, Sweet Joy is uh Filipino Filipino American so we make sure that we spend time with both families is very important to us as to do with the roots, it has to do with values and so on. Um, but I mean, you know, they are they are so much further ahead in to think in the intuition of all these things that we've just been talking about as a function of growing up hmm. in New York. I mean, it's it's there's no comparison. The way they are interacting with the, who, who, who their friends are, uh, what they're doing. Like, it's just it's not just a different city. It's a different era. I mean, like, we're able to do it during an era. Like, it's just, it's like night and day. Um, um, But even so, I think that uh, understanding our roots, understanding where we come from matters a lot.
0: One thing I think that is really interesting, and I want to evolve on this on diversity, right? So even within your own family, you are European-American, African-American, Asian-American within your own family. Mm. And you, to, you, your sweet joys and your beautiful two daughters, they are now gonna grow up with an Asian American and African American vice president, mm, which mm. is exactly the same identity that they have. Mm. And for them to be able to like see this, I just think this is puts. Have you guys had a chance even
1: to talk about that or? Or, for sweetening me, this is momentous. Oh. Then it's another day. It's like, oh, yeah. well, we had Obama, then we uh-huh. had Trump, and now we have, like, like they, they, they've grown up during an era where um, Obama was the norm. I mean, that, uh-huh. that was, was president. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and so this is, in some ways, getting back to the norm. Like, if you think about it from their perspective, uh, uh-huh. the, it, of it. Now, as they get older and older and a little more about history and so on, I can put things in historical context, I think that gets added into it. But the intuition is one where I think Sweet Joy and myself are more aware and celebratory of this fact than they are.
2: I mean, I, I also see it as so hopeful because I, I really think about, you know, from the time I was seven years old, how I quickly adapted to and started internalizing the fact that my Multiracial, multicultural, uh, multi-ethnic background was, was a burden and, or, or, or uh, an obstacle and not wealth, right? And for the past three decades, I've been in the process of decolonizing my mind from those old ideas that, that had such an impact when I was a kid, and I probably will spend the rest of my life decolonizing. Those norms that 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 just leaked into my kind of spine at an early age, whereas you look at, you know, your daughter's France, your son Marcus, and my daughter growing up, where at least they won't have to do that, right? That's already like you say, for them, it's just another date. Like, of course, we have a vice president who's uh, african american asian american, and and of course, black women can be. VPs and hopefully also presidents uh, uh, very soon, but that, that, that we are like, and we. If I feel like I have to remind myself of this, that we are also making progress, especially today when it seems so often like we're backsliding and, and forgetting so much and, you know, but we are making progress.
4: Ready to pop the question?
0: Franz, can you explain for us uh, how, I mean, you work with government, you work with companies about diversity. What would be a three-minute pitch about the cure for diversity for Sweden, and what would be a cure and a suggestion for diversity <laughs> for America? Because I always said,
2: give us the cure, give us the cure, Franz.
3: You know, bring us the
1: cure. Let's start with Sweden, okay? Mm, what do yeah. I see as the most fundamental issue in Sweden? It is that Swedes believe that they're more advanced in understanding others than they actually boyaka, are. Boyaka, boyaka. <laughs> <laughs> there it is! Shut it down! There it is. There Thank it
2: you for is. laying it on us, friends.
0: Yep. <laughs> the podcast is over, we shut it down, that's yeah. it. <laughs>
1: Boom, we got it. <laughs> we
2: got it. You can't really address
1: an issue until you acknowledge that you have the wow. issue. hmm but Swedes, on average, tends to be quite um, prideful, and 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 they they are about this issue. They believe that they are very advanced, that they are ahead of it. They are open and they are inclusive. And what's really mm-hmm. happening is something else. Uh, it's sort of this mechanical opening. Yeah, we we would invite people into our country. Yeah. Once that has happened, though, if you guys can stay right over there. <laughs> and, and then I have to then try to, ref- like, this idea that this then impacts how I am doing my work or, can, or, or, that, or, or my life
0: mm-hmm. is,
1: is far removed. And so to me, the first issue when it comes to Swedish organizations is to highlight the challenges that these organizations are facing, uh-huh. in recognizing it. There are employees, leaders today. I, I work with them. I work with Swedish CEOs. Mm. I work with Swedish organizations. And they are stunned when they start to have an understanding of just how far behind they are on this issue. They, they, they felt that they were not only knew what the issue was, but that they were ahead of it. And, and, it, and it leads... It, so, so so number one issue in Sweden is to, to, to basically mm. get... Sweet, particularly Swedish leaders, up to speed and awareness of that there's so much more work left to be done. Don't pat yourself on the back. Don't pat yourself on the shoulder. Discrimination, effectively, is playing out in subtle ways everywhere throughout this country.
2: One thing that I see a lot in Sweden is that uh, Swedes very much want to be, I mean, they want to be hip. They want to be at the forefront of, of progressive thinking and so Absolutely. forth it's a part of the national identity so a lot of big companies i worked at swedish radio for example for for 12 years you know they did the diversity uh training co- days and and they and then that's almost used as an alibi for not having to actually have to hire uh, people from different cultures backgrounds uh uh sexual orientations c- religions c- couldn't agree with it's you like more. we're we're still going to keep it all white, but we've all done diversity training. So we're really woke as far as being open.
1: We got it. I, I think <laughs> that this is, yeah. you know, go to any uh, agency like uh, ad agency in Sweden and take a look at who is in, who who who, who is represented there. And it's mm. going to be a very homogeneous group. Uh, mm. Most, mm. you know, mostly white folks and the dudes are. Probably wearing a beard, and so <laughs> and so that's that's how that kind of plays out. So so that's for Sweden, Marcus. Um, the, 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 the ability to highlight that there is that there's so much work to be done. Now, what I will say is that I think Swedes are, generally speaking, up for it. Huh. They they don't want to they they don't want to be in a in a place where one is feeling like one one can't do as much as possible. I would say that in general, uh, not to say there are a lot of exceptions to that. And so I think that one can make progress. I, I, I am optimistic in this.
0: So what's the cure for the U.S.
1: right now? Three minutes. We need it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to hone in on one that has snuck up on us, okay? that most people don't really talk about that much yet but it's become clear over the past year or two that this is a real thing. And that has to do with what artificial intelligence is actually doing in, when it comes to this specific issue. Hmm. AI is step-by-step step, uh, uh, making the world <clears throat> less eager to pursue diversity. I mean, technology has enabled us to pursue we're, we're actually able today to connect with almost anybody on the planet if we wanted to. Hmm. Hmm. But what is really happening is that on an individual level and on a team level, we are seeing the opposite. So on an individual level, it's about sort of narrowing your options, narrowing what you're exposed to, narrowing your inputs, narrowing your perspectives. And we have, that goes on Facebook and YouTube and other social media where, where, where the algorithms basically are trying to identify what yeah. you like and narrow that. Yeah. Same on a team level. There's a lot of talk today about how AI can help us sort of avoid bias in recruiting Mm. talent, for instance. But what is really happening when companies employ AI for recruiting? What AI is doing is looking at data, past data to say, who was a great employee and how do we get more of that person? But this great employee is based off of, you know, the Mm. past 10 years of data and that's biased. Because this company was not a place, a model place for diversity, equity, inclusion in those past 10 years. So what's actually happening is that you're reinforcing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the past narrative. These are, and, and it's sneaky. It sneaks up on you, right? So so it's, yeah, it's one thing if... if uh, you, you can you can you can confront something that happens in the in in society or the workplace when it's out in the open because at least you can recognize it you can process it but here this mm. is sneaking up on you. this is like mm. the choices you make, one video from the next, the choices you make in terms of who you should be hiring who passes through mm. the resume filters mm. um, and so what what do we need to do? Well, we need to do all the other stuff that we could talk about, but we really have to be actually. A really focused on AI because AI is seeping into every mm. single thing that we do, and the ability to counteract that force, to counteract that force that is slowly, incrementally, step by step, making us mm. less diverse. I mean,
2: we we've definitely seen it. I totally can see where 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 that is heading now that I hear you explain it, France. I mean, you look at the siloification of ideas that. Followed in the wake of the whole world more or less being logged onto Facebook, uh, and the the kind of <laughs> how very strange and untrue or directly false narratives gain enormous traction, like QAnon, for example, and how they can then flourish in this kind of monocultural uh, uh, spaces on the internet, you know. But it's really scary to hear you talk about. So it, when we're building this new in, in, intelligence that we are actually injecting it with the same bias that we also carry,
4: That's right. it's, just it's inevitable in a way. Past,
1: and then it tries mm. to sort of emulate that. It tries to mm. say, well, what, what works? And we're going we're gonna to keep on doing more of it. I mean, I'm generalizing here, but, but that, that to a large extent is what, it, what it's doing. The past was not optimized for innovation. The past was not optimized for justice. The past was not optimized for equity. Certainly not for diversity and inclusion.
4: This moment.
0: This
1: moment.
4: Members of Congress want to award the Congressional Gold Medal to Eugene Goodman. He is the U.S. Capitol Police officer who lured the rioters away from the unguarded chambers, allowing members of Congress time to evacuate. Officer Goodman was not the
0: only... One this conversation has been it. amazing, but it's also one of the first conversations we've had without even mentioning COVID. But for me, there are silent heroes, heroes that you might see in the news and then they go by. I wanna shout out the police officer inside the Capitol that really, he was shouted at, he was called all the different words that we all been called. He had to back up to get, you know, really to get back up in protection. But uh, that gentleman, you know, really held the capital together when the, when, uh, the unrest and, and, and the looters came into the capital, right? That for me, I hope he gets a medal. I hope he gets a medal. You know, really that we take time out to look at these local heroes. Um, I can't even put it in a word, but just watching him backpedaling. <laughs> Uh, it is, and as three black people, we can all say lightly. We all knew, we all know what would have happened if that would have been 30,000 Muslims, 30,000 black people. Mm. But for me, where the diversity training goes back to you, Franz, is because when I went to the march for Black Lives Matters in Harlem, and it started at the government building. You couldn't get into the government. You no, couldn't even, not. like, yeah. the barriers you can, you were. You can't even get close to the police. And that was to a peaceful rally. Mm. So when I look at the structure that they had, right, right there, it's based on the police is us and you work for us and we are you. And also, we know at this point that a lot of police officers were part of planning that. And that is my point, When the lack of. Diversity comes into institutions that's supposed to protect. So who they see the enemy or their frenemy or their friend or that cousin is completely different. And uh, the next day, the next day, look at all the black people that have to clean up that mess, uh, right? Uh, you've seen uh, the images. And it's going to share with us. Yeah. It's going to be with us. Yeah. So, so Franz, like, just give us a little bit of your thoughts on this very… Dire moment.
1: Um <clears throat> so look, long term, big picture. I am extremely hopeful. The arrow of history, in my opinion, is pointing in only one direction, which is that long term we are becoming more diverse, we're becoming more inclusive, cultures are coming together, connecting, and so on. So that's long term. But at any given time, there are reversals to this trend.
2: Oh.
1: We're we're in that we're in that now. I, I talked earlier in this conversation about AI driving that, but we're in this the other driving forces as well. Oh. Politicians, leaders, those mm. that choose not to step up, or or do some part in it. Not every part, but something, um, like. that will lead to a a short, medium-term reversal of these things. What do I think is happening now? How do I feel about what is happening now? I feel this is a specific moment in history. Uh, It's reminiscent of moments in other countries. You know, people have made all kinds of uh, comparisons to uh, Germany, but you can see this in other places as well. Um, The thing about it is, Ultimately, they can't sustain themselves in the long term. Okay, So oh. like in the end, it didn't go out, oh. work out well for, uh, for uh, Germany and the, and the Nazis. And, and over time, you see that play out in other parts around the world as well. But I would much prefer that we don't have short-term reversals as well. Now, we, have to, we have to lean in and we have to do what we can uh, in big or small ways to counteract this. Um, I I think it's dangerous right now. I really do. I think we're in a dangerous place in the United States and not just the United States. The United States is in many ways a guiding light for leaders all over the world. They're looking at this and going, oh, wow, I didn't know one could do that. What would happen Uh if we put that here? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um i saw a, uh, I saw an article in the Swedish newspaper the other day that something that something similar would happen in Sweden it was like a it was like a joke there's no way mm. but you know what people have said in Sweden year after year, election after election? It is that a a party like the Sweden Democrats would have no traction. Oh mm. oh and apparently it did. Mm-hmm. Oh wait a minute, it grew even more mm-hmm. I, uh Instead of being behind the curve, yeah, it's helpful to, be added, to get in front of it. Yeah. Be in front of it. And I think this oh. is important not just in the United States, it's gonna be important everywhere.
2: Hmm. I mean the United States is also, I mean, it's a it's the biggest cultural force on the globe, but the takeaways are not just the beauties of the United States, but also the ugly parts uh, become playbook for similar groups, similar thinkers in sure. Sweden. In Germany, in Holland, you know. Um, and so
1: to me, to me, it's an important moment. We have to reverse this reversal so we oh, can actually get oh. onto what the long-term track is.
2: Beautiful. France, yes. Johansson, thank you for blessing us with uh, your beautiful mind and thoughts. And Lerum uh, Partile in one conversation for me is just, uh, it's beautiful, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for coming out.
1: It's one of the most fun conversations I've had in <laughs> so long. Oh my God. Yeah,
0: I find a lot of inspiration from France. And what I don't know about something is very often I just call France because he knows about so many different things. And uh, we had this great moment when I was super nervous. And um, I, wanted to, I was about to meet Desmond Tutu. And I had a question for Dr. Desmond, Mr. Desmond Tutu. And I was like, who can I bring to that conversation that is, you know, smart enough that can hang? I didn't, my friends at that time, this was 15 years ago. I was like, I can't bring my uh, friends to that. And and I was like, well, France. So, of course, France was with Mr. uh, Dr. Desmond Tutu. And the first thing Desmond Tutu said, oh, I've been to Sweden. Let's have a shot. So we had a shot of Aquavit and the ice was broken. And France had all the right answers. And I got my forward to my book. So yeah, I bring France to those high uh, closing dinners.